When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Be the best and you got to pay a little price. If you want it bad enough, you got to do a little extra things to get it. Welcome to the 11 Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host, Jordan Rodriguez, and with me this week, my fabulous co-host, Stu Jackson of therams.com. Stu, how are we doing? Doing great now that I'm not dealing with the uh, stress of the way the that game unfolded uh, <laughs> toward the end there on Sunday. Yeah, now that I think my blood pressure is back at a normal level and all that good stuff. Uh, no, yeah, do, doing great. Uh, New Year, uh, lots of exciting things on the horizon, just sort of storylines and just everything that's you know surrounding this Rams team. And so, yeah, a lot going on, but uh, and uh, no shortage of things to talk about. Which obviously, uh, for you and I, uh, who you know cover the team and, and talk about the team in this form and other forms, that, that's always a great thing, right? Always a good thing. Employment is great. Um, Stu, happy New Year to you, Rams fans, eleven personnel listeners, athletic subscribers. Um, thank you guys for all your support this last year, and happy New Year to all of you. We are back this week after a very brief. Holiday hiatus. Um, happy holidays to all who celebrate. And um, wow, what a time to be uh, alive and in the world as a Rams fan, I think, right? You watch this team go from uh, a roster that uh, a lot of the external pundits uh, who are not uh, around every day were kind of uh, joshing at a little bit and or a lot in some cases. <laughs> Um, to uh, building blocks and step by step by step, this team has gone from total disaster in 2022 to a, I think, more than partial rebuild into uh, 2023 and officially clinched a postseason spot, not only with a very, very narrow victory over the Giants on Sunday in uh, at MetLife Stadium, um, but also with a little help from their frenemies, the Pittsburgh Steelers. And uh, I heard Sean McVay joking about sending Mike Tomlin a, a little bit of a gift basket or a Christmas gift. Obviously, those two go way back from their days on some of their earlier coaching staff. So I'm sure some, some funny texts were exchanged um, after that one. But Stu, that was uh, uh, as wild of a game that the Rams once again, true to their much of their formula in 2023, Almost gave up at the very end, had some um, collapses and some huge gaps, particularly on special teams, which again has come up for them time and time again this year. We'll get into that in a little bit. Um, but this is a playoff team. They either have the six or right now they have the six seed um, at worst case, they could drop to the seven seed. Um, but right now they have the six seed and you're looking at the either the Lions or the Cowboys or the Eagles. I think I know which one we all want to see um, because of the story potential and because it would be really great to see Matthew Stafford come full circle against the Detroit Lions and get to play a playoff game at Ford Field and, and that home crowd and that fan base. And I, I know that, Stu, you and I both have so much 
respect and admiration for that that fan base, for that team. So many people we know who are over there now, Brad Holmes, Jared Goff, uh, Ray Agnew, Josh Reynolds, just so, so much respect for the people over there. And I just think that would be so fun. Yeah, absolutely. I think, uh, you know, when you look at all the possibilities and the potential for that to to be there as a as a potential wild card matchup. And I mean, I'm I'm sure the I'm sure the league would be thrilled with it. And whichever TV partner ends up getting the, that game, I know that much. Yeah, that's that's money in the bank right there. The drama and the storylines and the yep. the the ability to. I mean, that just man, I get goosebumps thinking about it. But we're not going to get too far ahead of ourselves. Let's go backwards first. Um, yeah, that game was nuts. Uh, twenty six twenty five. Um, the the Giants really I guess lost on a a last second uh, missed field goal attempt a fifty four yard attempt by Mason Crosby who was at one point on the Rams practice squad then elevated but not active for the game in Baltimore um, and then released the following week then signed by the Giants um, it, this game was so full of drama for so many reasons and we're gonna get to the special teams situation is the polite way to put it, um, in a minute, but, uh, what's important to know about that missed kick. And I want to shout out a player who I don't think has gotten enough attention by, uh, external people. I know we've covered him a lot over the last couple of years, but Ernest Jones, who made the tackle for loss on that second down before the kick actually pushed Mason Crosby out of his previous long field goal range of 52 yards. So the tackle for loss was exactly two yards for loss. He pushed him back to 54 yards. I think that that dramatically did alter the outcome of of that kick. Um, And also, that was Ernest Jones' 145th tackle um, in the regular season, which sets the franchise record. So really incredible, uh, poetic day for the third-year linebacker. Yeah, he's had a great season all year. Uh, Teammates have spoken glowingly about him and just kind of the growth he's shown, the leadership he's shown, all of those things. And so it's not surprising to see him be in position to make an impact play like that. And it's you're exactly right. I mean, what may be at this point in the season, at least on the surface, at least in that moment and with that play seemed like just a another tackle for loss for Ernest really turned out to be you know, I think, like you said, you can make a pretty strong argument for being very consequential in, in the outcome of that game, especially with, um, you know, where where things were at at that point. And so he's made plays like that all year. Uh, again, what wasn't too much of a, too, of a shock to see him come up big in that moment, but still impressive nonetheless and uh, broke a franchise record that had stood for quite some time, too. Yeah, long, long time and probably helped save in that moment the Rams postseason hopes too. I mean, obviously they got some help. Tyrod Taylor, uh, if he runs that little two point conversion play a hundred times, he probably only misses it once or twice. Um, that was, uh, just such a swing of luck in the Rams favor after almost entirely blowing that game. Um, regardless of some of the impressive contributions, you know, Puka Nakua with that 80 yard, uh, catch and run, you know, it gives a new meaning to the word yak yards there, Stu. I've been waiting to tell you that, Stu. I've been waiting for you <laughs> because Puka, as we saw, was uh, hunched over a trash can on the sideline after that play. You see what I did there? Do you okay. see what I did? Yep. You see what I did? Okay, there we go. Yeah, got yeah, where one for one. 
One for one here. Second day into the new year, and I I guess I'm still rusty (laughs) when it comes to puns. We got to pick it up. Got to pick it up in time for the postseason, Stu. Look alive. (laughs) Yeah, seriously. What am I doing? So, yeah, the the catch and run or yards after catch play, the yak yards, uh, Puka Nakua really put a new new spin onto those. And that was a really impressive play. It also helped him along with some other plays he made. It helped him. He's 29 yards away from the rookie, the all-NFL rookie franchise receiving record. Um, Again, this is a fifth-round draft pick from BYU, so I don't think that could be said enough. It's been said a lot this year, but still don't think that could – be emphasized enough. Um, Puka Nakua is making a really, I, I wrote about this two weeks ago at The Athletic, Puka Nakua is making a really strong case for himself for Offensive Rookie of the Year that does not take away from the extraordinary season that C.J. Stroud has had. And I think we all have had such a blast watching him thrive, especially on a team that seems to be growing with him as he grows and, and with the young head coach and D'Amico Ryans that I know Rams fans know have a lot of respect for. Bobby Slowick, obviously going to see their former team coming up here this Sunday in San Francisco. Um, and, you know, it's, it's, but, but Puka, just the, the amount of responsibility that he has in the run in the past game. I mean, you could see it. There were so many different things that the Rams had to account for because going against a Wink Martindale defense, you are going to get the kitchen sink thrown at you, probably five kitchen sinks thrown at you from every direction. So I thought that Puka Nakua's effort run and pass was significant. And so was Kyron Williams, who had three touchdowns as well. And before we get to the carousel, uh, I I wanted to shout out, or I want you to shout out another uh, rookie who has been showing up, especially through the second half of the season. But Stu, Kobe Turner matches Aaron Donald's rookie sack record. Um, It's just incredible. Yeah, I I wrote about him earlier this summer before training camp got started, or maybe it was during training camp. I don't know. As I like to tell people at this time of the year, this time of the season, it feels like time's just a construct and everything is a blind <laughs> circle. But anyway, I, one of the things that I put in there and I, you know, things like this, I don't write or say if I don't feel strongly about it based on reporting and things like that. Like I, I was, I was fully confident in that if it, with like what I knew about, I had learned about him at that point and where I felt like he was headed from a trajectory standpoint, even just within his first season, like it, it, as he learned and, and grew and developed, I I really believe they were going to have a hard time keeping him off the field. And, you know, obviously, you know, Bobby Brown has had a great season, too. And that's, you know, maybe impacted, you know, some of the opportunities that Kobe's had. But nonetheless, you know, when he's been on the field, he's really made the most of those opportunities. I mean, nine sacks as a rookie is not an easy feat. I know people will point out the obvious of, oh, well, you know, what about the attention that Aaron Donald's drawing? Uh, that is fair, but it, at the same time, it, you know, you still have to be a talented player and, and you still have to win your matchups. He's an interior defensive lineman, Stu. I mean, you've said yeah. this all year, too. You're playing in a phone booth. Name another. I mean, Aaron Donald is obviously a legend and, and is acquiring attention and double and triple teams. But another interior lineman who's racking up a rookie who's racking up those numbers. I mean, outside linebackers are not racking up those numbers. Exactly. He's he's got more than than Will and so Kobe, who was the 89th pick in the third round this year, has more sacks than right now than Will Anderson of, of the Texans, who was a you know a top five, top ten pick. So it it's been it's been really impressive to to see him to see the way it's all uh come together for him and and like you said, especially being able to do that from from the interior of the defensive line. 
And again, as I mentioned, you still have to win those matchups and, and be on your stuff to be in a position to even reach a total like that. And so, uh, you know, he's got he's got a strong advocate in Aaron already for uh, defensive rookie of the year. I know, you know, I, I probably put him in a tough spot when I asked him, well, what do you think about being in that conversation? But I thought he handled it really well where he said, well, look, I know, you know, he talked I know, about Puka the whole time. I know, right. He The, the first <laughs> he like. <laughs> if it was like a 30 second answer, the first 25, I think, were, or, you know, 35 seconds, the first, you know, 20 to 25 was talking about the joy he had watching Puka achieve what he did, which is awesome. But yeah, I mean, he's, he, he I mean, he said himself, he's like, a, he thinks he's done enough to be in the conversation. And, you know, I, I can really respect that confidence. And I say I would agree with him. And so, you know, we'll, we'll see, uh, you know, again, you know, he, like he said, he, you know, he's, the only the, basically the the factor in that decision or the 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 input he has in that decision is what he puts on tape. He knows there are people there's other people that vote on it, and so we'll we'll see how that voting turns out. But I th- I think he's really positioned himself strongly to, like I said, at a minimum, be in that conversation. Yeah, it's remarkable what these rookies have done um, this year. Again, Rams without a first round draft pick, um, you know. Uh, Byron Young having the season, him and Kobe Turner sort of like exchanging the rookie sack record or excuse me, rookie sack leader number uh, baton, I guess you'd call it um, mid game, which Kobe, you could see he was just like found that hilarious because he had no idea that was actually happening. Um, Steve Avila, who could not be, I mean, offensive linemen never get the shine, right? But it's like, could not have been more impressive in his rookie season. And and because that position you grow into and develop into at the NFL level, this is his floor. The season he's had this year is his floor, barring any sort of setback. And, and obviously you hope he stays healthy for many years to come. Puka Nakua, can't say enough about him. We've said a lot already, <laughs> but he keeps doing things that just blow you away. Um, and Kobe Turner, I think, being this, the, the the four most impressive rookies, obviously Ethan Evans, I think is an impressive rookie, but the position group he plays on has been an absolute disaster. So I think getting a little bit less love um, for that and for those reasons. So I want to talk about it. I won't put you in a tough spot here, Stu, um, because obviously I don't, you know, I, I'm, I'm, I am, uh, I've been very, very vocally critical about this special teams unit, every other phase of this Rams team, I think should be commended for how it is. It has improved from last year. Um, the special teams unit has not improved. They are 32nd in the NFL in DVOA. Um, they are so bad on DV in DVOA on special teams. They are three times worse, metrically speaking than the next worst team on special teams, which is the new England Patriots. Um, they are the sixth worst special teams DVOA unit in NFL history, according to NFL shots, they have left 37 points on the board through missed field goals or missed extra points, two of which Lucas Hevresik missed on Sunday and got cut afterward. Um, they've gone through five different kickers and are returning to uh, a kicker they had cut previously for missing field goals um, in uh, Brett Maher. And they have also given up two touchdown, two punt returns for touchdowns, one of which lost them a game in overtime against Baltimore that they had gone toe-to-toe with uh, the Ravens, the best team in the NFL um, previous to that, um, and one that almost lost them a game and a missed extra point that uh, really was a hugely altering 
um, moment because um, it, it would have been the difference from a six-point game to an eight-point game um, it, late in the game there. And then the punt return for the touchdown missed tackles. Um, this is a group that has not improved. This is a huge problem. I asked Sean McVay on Monday during his press conference. Now we're, re- we're recording on Tuesday afternoon here, guys, for those of you listening. I asked him, is this fixable at this point? Do you have to do you have to go and take a holistic look at this um, in the offseason? And I think something that was telling, and Stu, you asked him this after the game as well about special teams and, and where they can improve. Um, but I thought it was telling and it was interesting that he he recognized that he is so involved with the offense and the defense. This is how most teams operate, guys. There's a level of autonomy within the special teams unit where um, even with the pro scouting process, and I highlighted this um, last week, um, that's a that's more of a coaching-related or a coordinator-related effort when it comes to um, who are you familiar with at, at in terms of your specialist operation, punt, snap, hold, kick, um, who... who uh, fits with the system, who would work. And, and it's not just like, oh, go out and pick up anyone. First of all, you have to pay them a certain, you know, every, you know, like, like, for example, all the people I see saying like, oh, go sign Robbie Gold. Robbie Gold retired. Okay. So he's not, he's not right. Okay. So that's out. Right. So then now you're looking, you're looking at um, players this late in the year who you're familiar with. And that brings them back to Brett Maher. They are familiar with him. He's familiar with them. What what I say is I don't disagree with not paying a kicker top dollars in a lean year. I think everybody misses Matt Gay and the consistency that he provided, but they were never going to pay Matt Gay top dollar, which he is, which he got. And good for him, by the way, for getting that. Um, he earned it. But the Rams are not going to do that in a lean year in which three of their players take up most of their money. And if you look, even go to over the cap and look, it's like Aaron Donald's salary. And then the next highest defensive player is Jordan Fuller, who earned a contract escalator because he started as a rookie and is still only making like two million or just under two million a year. And then and then it's like Aaron, who's I think it's like 18, 20. It's something massive. Right. So there's a huge drop off. They're not paying anybody this year (laughs) other than their weight bearing walls. So it's. It's a huge, it's a huge lean year. I don't, I don't criticize them for not paying a kicker where I do criticize them is this should have been fixed in the summer, the spring. They've gone through five kickers. They had two undrafted free agent kickers on their roster. Neither of them worked out. That's why they signed Brett Maher. Then Brett Maher, they said, didn't work out. And in part because they were putting him in in positions where they were in go situations, metrically and analytically speaking, that Sean McVay should have gone for it on fourth down. And instead, you're backed up for 52, 53, 54 yards. You know, yes, you would hope that your kicker could make that, but there is a drop-off in tiers between tier one kickers, tier two, tier three. And then ultimately they find themselves at a position with a kid who is not even making extra points or chip shots from 25 yards out for them. So this is a serious problem. It is tanking their DVOA. Their DVOA is so bad on special teams that it is actually dragging down their defensive DVOA as well. So this defense actually is better than what it looks like in the DVOA standings, if not for special teams. It's costing them field position. Like I said, it's costing them points, 37 points across. I mean, that is wild. The most, the most missed field goals on a, in a season since 2015. I mean, this is just that the stats just keep coming and coming and coming. And it just is something that, um, you knew that there was going to be bumps, but like I said, this defense got completely gutted 
and yet has improved. The offense has improved. The special teams unit is the one phase where this has not improved. And so I thought it was telling that Sean McVay talked about um, how the delegation or the investment of uh, time and attention and, and those types of things it just is split. It, it, it staggers more heavily toward offense and defense. And that's, again, that's every team, right? That's not just unique to the Rams. But at the same time, um, this is where the bottom of your roster has to develop. And there, you know, even, even, even if it is the bottom of the roster, some of the gaffes and the issues and the mistakes, they've come up every week. And if something gets fixed, another hole pops up. I asked Chase Blackburn, the special teams coordinator, a few weeks ago, this is like whack-a-mole. How do you do that? How do you fix, you know, the, the how do you patch things and then repatch other things? And he kind of alluded to the same thing. It's like time on task and investment into um, this this phase. And and it's, it's hugely important. And I, I think that Rams fans would be absolutely sick seeing the enormous potential that this team has and has proved and would be sick to their stomachs if it came down to something as 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 small and yet so large as an error on special teams that decides their fate in the playoffs. So, all right, that's my rant. I told you I was not going to put you in a tough position there, Stu. Um, but uh, the Rams did make a couple of transactions today. Do you want to go over those for our listeners? Sure. Yeah. So the the main things were uh, they brought uh, Dresser Win back to the practice squad, uh, cut Alex Matheson, the long sniper from the practice squad that was sounds like, you know, McVeigh had brought on as maybe competition contingency just in case things didn't work out with Carson Tinker. But I mean, judging by that, it looks like they're going to stick with Carson for now. And then, uh, you know, Sean Jolly got kind of placed on on IR and then obviously the other one, I mean, happened yesterday, but you alluded to was um, moving on from uh, moving on from Lucas and Haversick, and then uh, you know at some point, it sounds like the uh, official signing will will come through with uh, with with Brett Maher, uh, as you mentioned, rejoining the team, and so um, some more moving pieces. But, carousel uh, continues. Yeah, a whisper the on the wind. Yeah, the the, car- <laughs> the carousel. Uh, continues here in week 18. So Yeah, and then a couple of other things Sean McVay mentioned. Um, Tyler Higby's dealing with the shoulder subluxation. Um, so I would not be surprised if he rested this week. Obviously, he's a, he's a guy that will always want to play, but this is a week where we're also trying to ascertain what the plan is going to be in terms of how many starters will rest, who will rest, what the al- workload allocation will be. Keep in mind that it's not as easy as saying with this team, with how young they are and the depth that they have and don't have, it's not as easy as saying, okay, the entire starting roster is going to sit. Um, sometimes they just don't have the numbers in certain spots uh, to allow that to happen. You have to have people out there who know what they're doing. Um, even though this game is uh, technically meaningless, you still are playing. You're trying to beat the 49ers. You're trying to win the game. You still are trying to game plan as normally as as possible while also being smart and conscientious of there are some players who are probably should probably sit. Cooper Cup has just looked like he's continuing to uh, deal with a little bit of that ankle. Um, Tyler Higby obviously is hurt. Jordan Fuller is dealing with an ankle sprain. Um, so those are all players, starting players who you would think, um, they'd be smart with. You'd think that they'd be smart with Aaron. 
the signing of Dresser Wynn to the practice squad, in my opinion, points toward at least the possibility, we don't know yet, but the possibility that Carson Wentz is going to get some time this Sunday um, to preserve Matthew Stafford, who's dealt with a variety of different things this year. Um, and, you know, you have Carson Wentz. Hey, roll him out. Who knows? He, the, the 49ers aren't going to be playing Christian McCaffrey, who's going to be resting because of the, I think it's a calf strain. Um, and you might see some Sam Darnold, you know? So who knows? This is a, what a time to be alive. Um, and then so, but if you, if you do pull the backup up into any sort of reps at any time, you still need a backup to back him up. So it makes sense. The dresser win, uh, is on the practice squad at this point, that plan will continue to take shape through the week. Keep in mind that a media does not have access to the walkthrough to view any part of the walkthrough tomorrow, which is Wednesday. So the first time we'll see who is taking reps, where is going to be Thursday. One more thing, um, Bobby Brown avoided serious injury. He has a, a little bit of a hyperextension in his knee. Um, the Rams are super relieved. It looked really bad when he went down on the field on Sunday, um, but I, they think he's going to be okay moving forward. And then Alaric Jackson was dealing with a, a family issue, a personal a personal matter. So he missed Sunday's game. Joe Noteboom played. Now Joe Noteboom has a foot injury that he suffered in game, um, but Alaric Jackson is going to be back. I don't think I missed anything, right, Stu? Uh, yeah, I think that about covers it. Yeah, that's yeah. <laughs> <laughs> roll like, through, roll yeah, right through. It's just like, a, it's all just like, like you said, time's a flat circle at this point of the year. Um, well, this is just, it's going to be interesting. I, I don't know how um, this week will shake out in terms of workload allocation, but I think it's it's been fun to kind of, as this week has began and that it really has started to sink in, Stu, about I mean, this is a playoff team. This team, even if they lose Sunday, they cannot have a losing record this year. Um, Sean McVay seals his his seasons of winning records. They've clinched the the postseason. Um, it's kind of wild to think about because, again, this was a roster that entered training camp with 44 either rookies or new players on their roster. I mean, Stu, we had people coming in from the national media that would ask, Sean questions like, how do you remember everyone's names or, and, and it's a fair question. I'm not ridiculing the question. It's, you know, they had the, the stickers on the helmets with their names on them through, through most of the spring. Um, you had, you know, so much conversation. Um, you know, I, this isn't really a team that's going to do like any sort of a victory lap. I think they, uh, they, they kind of are going for the karma points here, but we can remember, you know, ranked number 31st, Ro the roster ranked number 31st on, you know, certain rankings, certain metrics and rankings, 32nd in others, um, worst team in the league, they're tanking, um, which quarterback is going to fit them. And, and really like they, there was a time in the middle of the season, even, um, after that Packers game where it was, they, there was a lot of doom and gloom permeating throughout because it was like, this team had to step back into the light somehow. And they did. And Matthew Stafford and Kyron Williams and Puka Nakua, some really excellent coaching on, you know, on offense and on defense. Um, and they're six and one after the bye. And it's it's really been interesting. We've seen that growth happen day by day, step by step. It's been 11 months still. Can you believe that? 11 months since um, they started basically overhauling this roster. I remember coming from the combine with the report that they were about to move on from so many veterans on defense and 
totally gut that part of the roster as the sacrificial lamb for the sake of the offense and for the contracts that they were keeping intact of Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, and Aaron Donald. And um, incurring $80.3 million in dead money probably would have been $79 million, except they rolled through a shitload of kickers at this point. Um, but now $80.3 million in dead money. And, you know, just how they were going to patch the holes. Remember in July, the quietness of the Akello Witherspoon signing and the Dotson trade and like all of these things that have been these pieces of pieces of a bigger puzzle, of a bigger process, but they've all stayed really present. And that's what I know you communicated this. You shared some poignant words on uh, the social media site formerly known as Twitter um, this a couple of days ago. And, you know, I, I had shared some thoughts, too, and, and wrote a column at TheAthletic.com. I mean, this was – it was a little luck at the end there, yeah, but also the mo- the bulk of it, the majority of it was was work. And it was this – I think as a human, I will always take from this season, we saw what it looks like to be where your feet are. We saw what it looks like to remain present in the task at hand, in the moment – and to think about the work and how you could get better every single day. And, and that's a cliche. It is, but it is for a reason with this group. It's, it's real. It's real that they, they focused on what was right in front of them every single day. And now they're up above the surface and they're looking around and there's good air up here, man. Well, and kind of going back to what you were talking about with kind of some of the words that I put on the social media site formerly known as Twitter. Um, <laughs> yeah, just the thing that really struck me is is kind of the like just how aligned everything had to be in very in in certain areas. Um, how do I, I? I don't know the best way to describe it. Like areas, phases, what have you? But like you had you had to hit on a rookie class, so it was it was it was really important that the the scouting st- so the work of the scouting staff was was. Crucial to making sure that, you know, of, of a 14 player rookie class, you were able to find at least a handful of guys that were going to be able to come in and contribute. Pro personnel staff, like department, like they they had to really be on it, too, as far as like, OK, because because like you said, like there were addition. It wasn't a lot. A lot of those additions, especially the veteran ones like the Dotsons or the the Witherspoons or the, or the John Johnsons like those were all spaced out that didn't mm-hmm. happen in like the first wave of free agency or anything like that like that that involved you know going through the spring and summer and identifying needs and and working with the coaching staff and figuring out okay well yeah maybe we do need a, a taller cornerback based on what we currently have and height like challenged Raheem yeah Morris. yeah exactly we're a little height challenged <laughs> yeah I think those were Raheem Morris's words yeah. right um, and then, you know, obviously when you get into the season, now it's on the coaching staff to take what the scouting staff and the pro personnel department have brought them and as well as the rest of the roster and and try to maximize that. Um, and so the, I guess, like I said, the the synergy or the cohesiveness, whatever the best way of, of, of putting it is, uh, you know, it really took that, took alignment from all of those groups and really working together. Um, to to ensure that you know the all all those pieces fit together and that you know expectations were at least i, I should say the ex- expectations placed on the team exter- externally by you know some sources or experts or whom or uh whomever outlets pundits yeah pundits exactly <laughs> that to to like to to exceed those expectations and and really you know 
get this put this team in a position to to be a playoff team and so um you know i i maybe that sound that sounds corny i don't know but i just think like again you know it, it's it's impressive that when you do have like you mentioned just kind of the dead cap hit and the amount of roster turnover and and you're trying to rebound especially from a, a 5 and 12 season to get back into the playoffs um you know it it, it truly took everybody in the building to make that happen, which I guess is what really um, kind of has has stuck with me, and um, I have I have not been other build in other buildings, so I can't speak to that. I can only speak based on things I see and 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 read mostly. But that's not nece- you don't necessarily see that alignment or working out that perfectly uh, in similar circumstances and, and with similar teams. So, you know, to me, that's the most impressive thing. And then I guess again on top of that, kind of like I mentioned. You know, not only did you maximize this roster to be a playoff team, you also were able to get out of a class or out, out of a draft hall that did not have a, a first round pick, a potential offensive rookie of the year, potential defensive rookie of the year. Um, and, and a so, runner yeah. up. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. And maybe, maybe even a runner up too uh, defensively in, in uh, you know, Byron Young, obviously. And yeah. so, um, but yeah, I, just that that collective effort and cohesiveness, synergy. Like I said, I think that that is what will stick with me from this season, as far as like for for everything they had to do to really put themselves into p- position to be where they are. Everything basically fell into place from where they did. With like you mentioned, obviously the not glossing over you know Sunday's result and, and mm-hmm. the role that that obviously had as well. Yeah, a little luck helps sometimes too. I think. Uh, I think that um, what's really interesting, and and like I'm not a victory lap person. I know you're not either. Um, I I do think that when you, if you were on the outside looking in and you looked at this roster on a sheet of paper, I think the reaction that you heard was fair based on. But then it was interesting because that what the Rams did was they would tell you what their plan was the entire time. Um, it, it it didn't Kevin mean people... wrote, the COO wrote a, a letter right to season ticket members right this is what it's going to look like yeah and it, like and it back was back in the spring right yeah and then at league meetings we sat down with him and Les Snead and and Sean McVay and they talked about discipline and they talked about how there was going to be um, it, it was going to look a lot different this year they were going to do it differently but they were going to be about development and growth and success was going to look different than it had before with this group and success was going to look like growth. And, you know, I do think that, again, I think our, our, as journalists and everything, you the, the saying you learn in college is when, if your mother says she loves you, check it out. And basically like double check everything, confirm everything, make sure the eye test passes, the stats test passes, the background check passes, the, the deep research and the sort, you know, all of those things. But they started, they they weren't just saying this stuff. They started doing it too, where it was like, hey, they said, hey, we're going to go out and do this. And then they went and did it. And, and I'm not just saying like a, a playoff run or whatever. They said, hey, we're going to go. They they made it very clear. Hey, we're going to change our team building model this year. Um, but we don't expect, we're not calling this a rebuild. Okay. Well, yeah, I, I guess I believe them. This wasn't really a rebuild. <laughs> like, Remodel. It was a very fast reset, essentially, or setup. Um, and they said, uh, we're going to take on this much dead money all in one swoop so that we can go be aggressive the following year. Okay, well, they're 
bracing and, and gearing up to go do that. They did not do that at the trade deadline. They're bracing and, and expecting and planning to to start doing that this year. Um, maybe not all at once, maybe, you know, piece by piece. You don't want to just spend just to spend at this point. Um, they uh, they told us um, basically we're going to de- draft and develop this year. And they did. Um, they they said all of these things where when you look, when you when they would say them in the initial fallout of what the strip down was, you would sort of look and and I said I've said this before. You'd say you'd sort of think to yourself like, are you are you serious? Like, is this is that re- is that real? And okay, I you know you believe you clearly believe what you're saying. It's like all right, you clearly believe what you're saying. So I'm not going to judge. I'm just going to observe and take notes. And I would joke around with. There's a couple of uh, of people who listeners who uh, always send this note to me. It's like. Now, I would always say, it's not my plan, guys. <laughs> I'm just communicating what the plan is. If it's not my plan, I'm just communicating what it is. And but they would they would go and do these things. And the the I just I, I think for me, um I will not forget what there's a there's a meth, there's an uh, a self-belief there and a self-confidence. There was a there was also a a continuity that I think is a luxury and a privilege that I think they recognize as an advantage at this point having that continuity where um, you're not you're not saying okay it it really didn't work for us this season but we're not clearing out the things that did work um, we're we're re- reframing and and you know re- reimagining what will work for us now with the same you know people at the top of the pyramid. And I, I'll, I remember they, they changed the way that they think about how to do the work. They, I think, were such a team of style and flourish before. Um, but now I think they're a team of substance. Um, style and flourish won them a Super Bowl, and they should be commended for that. But now I'll never forget. I think this is going to be a memory that stays with me probably for the rest of my life because it, of what happened after it was I was standing and I was interviewing Rob Havenstein and we it was the last weeks of this training camp Stu and it was hot as hell up in Thousand Oaks and it was closed practices so they were really starting to show what they were trying to do they had come off of these joint practices where both teams at these joint practices I'd talk to sources different people within those buildings and they'd be like shit man these guys might be something this year these guys are tough. They play hard. They have a lot of energy. And you started running into people in the hallways and, and stuff, and they'd say, I don't know if we're going to be good, but we'll be hard to get out. And it's it's stuff started to build, right? And then I just remember we'd, be, we'd stand there and we'd watch these like 15, 16, 17, 18 play drives, the, the grueler drives that Rob Havenstein would call them. And it would be people would be puking and dripping sweat. And just, I was talking to Rob after one of those practices where they had one of those drives and I was asking him about it. And he was just like drenched from head to toe. He was barefoot because it was so hot. You're just like, can't do it. (laughs) And, and he's standing there and and this is what he told me. We're trying to make practices as much as possible. Like games, the more you can get into that mindless zone, where truly you kind of block everything else out. A way to really do that is to put a long drive together. Guys start breathing and thinking, breathing and thinking, and all of a sudden they forget that they're breathing. 
Then they're just thinking. Then they're just playing. They're just out there playing. Boom, next play. Boom, next play. Next play, next play, next play. And I think that sums up the way that this Rams team has carried itself the entire year. And because football players and football people and football coaches and football journalists are so tangible and and um, live in, in the actions of things, actually going and doing it, not just saying that they were going to do it, I think is the story of the Rams season and, and being able to stay present in that way. I've also just enjoyed seeing different aspects of those changes from the spring and summer come to life, thinking about retooling the offensive line and and getting bigger guards so that that makes a difference in the run game and anchoring the pocket for Stafford and just the some of the schematic changes that obviously you wrote about quite a bit as far as uh, implementing more of the you know those gap scheme runs that have I think I think at this point based on I think what you've reported or written about that some as a overtaken percentage wise and tendency wise, some of the zone stuff they do. Um, and, and just, and the emergence of guys like, like Kyron Williams. I mean, some of the more like schematic conceptual, tangible stuff like that too, uh, you know, has been, has been really cool to watch. And, um, you know, I think helped remind people, people too of, of, you know, what this team is capable of when it's been healthy and, and just again, who, who McVay is, I would say, as far as just, uh, you know, a play caller and being able to get things, uh, you know, back on track, at least, um, offensively. But, um, I don't, I don't know if you have any, whether that be the defensive side, since I basically covered most of the offense or anything, any similar thoughts to that, but that was also something that just kind of popped into my head. Yeah, you saw, you see where they still need to add. I, I wrote this in my column at the Athletic um, right. this last week. You you see where they still need to add. They have been very open about where they still need to add based on the moves they didn't make and the players they kept trying to develop. Um, some of the patch moves that they made that were smart and necessary and have contributed in big ways for the Rams this season. Um, you still see the the same issues that pop up have been the same issues and personnel will help fix that um, in the future. And, but at the same time, you've also seen lessons learned in real time. You've seen growth. You've seen, um, a team that I think there are some players in every phase, um, even special teams, which is, is a disaster, but even there you've seen players in every phase who I think fans can really be excited about. Uh, I'll leave listeners with this here. Um, you know, I've heard from a lot of people in, in the organization this week. And it, it, again, nobody's really taking a victory lap, which I find really telling of of where everyone's focus is right now. And and um, but I but I also think that um, it, there's a there's this pride there um, that's so you can really feel that this this took so much work. Right. This took so much freaking work to go from where they were in May um, to where they are. And I mean, shoot, where they were in February to where they are now, not just from the front office and the players, but, you know, from a coaching perspective um, to go from where they were and 11 months later to be here was a significant and monumental amount of work. And Sean McVay borrowed this saying from Aaron Donald earlier in the sp last spring um, when he was sort of resetting himself. And 
and having these conversations with people. And, and Aaron likes to say this thing work works. And it, like Aaron, it is succinct and yet conveys so much, right? Um, work works. And Sean would say that to himself over and over and over again um, and say it to the team. And, you know, I, in talking to Ernest Jones a couple of weeks ago, he's like, that's all we, that's all we know. That's what we're repeating to ourselves right now. That's what he's been repeating to us. And then we're too young as a group to know any different than that. And I think that there's such a sense of pride in seeing work works. Yeah. Okay. Oh, work does work. (laughs) And, and I think that's why you're feeling this, not catharsis because the journey, I think for a lot of these guys is ongoing, but, um, there's this sense of pride where it's not quite an exhale yet. Maybe that comes after the season is over, but this feeling of, uh, like I said at the beginning, you know, the, the air feels pretty good up here. We, you know, we, we made it through the, the, the grimy parts and, and the, the parts that are hard and figured out how to, uh, handle adversity and, and how to keep putting pieces in front of us and to stay present. Um, everybody from Matthew Stafford, the veteran quarterback to, the youngest player on the roster who was watching Matthew Stafford in Detroit when he was, you know, a teenager. Uh, it, it's, it's a, it, it is this, this pride within this organization. Again, the substance that I think in the rush to build and the rush to win and the rush to construct this thing that LA could be proud of. Some of that substance got lost along the way, but I think this was a season where they've refound it um, and rediscovered it in, in a lot of different ways. And and I, and there's probably again not by any means making this sound like a, a victory lap comment, but I think there's probably a sense of satisfaction too in being able to construct a team in this manner compared to kind of like what you were talking about earlier, um, you know, and and being able to do it in a draft and a develop manner after you know all these big signings and trades and, and seasons past, and and being able to. I don't want to say will yourself, but put your put yourself in position to, you know, be back in in the playoffs and in and in that conversation. Um, you know, the the so, some of those signings and additions obviously make it a lot easier to, you know, reach that journey. But you know, when you're putting in the work evaluating players, whether it, like I said, whether it's veterans that you're signing or rookies that you're drafting, and and you see the way that those guys contribute. And and like I said, put this team in, in the position that it's in. Um, again, there's something in a big emphasis, non-victory lap way, uh, you know, just sat like it's satisfying and 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 probably a, a feel a, like a a feeling of I don't know how to put a, a sense of satisfaction and accomplishment, but without mm-hmm. it being like I said, like a a beat your chest like look at what we've done type of deal. Yeah. You have to, you have to celebrate how much you've done in an, in an earnest and altruistic way with, and be, be proud of yourself for that while also understanding that it's not done or it's not over the journey. You you haven't made it, you haven't arrived. And that's as a human, that's a tough thing to do. One last thing. And thank you, Stu, so much for joining me today. Stu's got some great stuff um, that's gone up over the last couple of weeks. And then also that's coming up because I know because I hear the questions he asks in the press conferences. So I'm always excited about what he's going to be writing. Um, And um, so thank you so much for joining. But I want to say 
there's this video and it's over on my Instagram page, but also you can find it at therams.com. And it's a video of uh, the spring OTAs. And we were interviewing Aaron Donald. Uh, he's up at the podium. And we asked him um, why everyone is talking, you know, with their chest, basically, about how much belief they have in, in what this team can be. We haven't seen you guys on the field. Why should we believe what you're saying you can be? And Aaron just gets this big Cheshire cat grin on his face. And he says, you just got to watch. So now we're here, everybody, Rams fans. Thank you so much for um, being so great this last year. Always such a smart group, a uh, thought out group. Um, I, I've seen on uh, the social media site, formerly known as Twitter, I think people are having fun with each other this week on old, you know, old, uh, old takes and things like that. Hey, man, it happens. This roster looked looked wild at the beginning of the year. So, again, this is not a, a victory lap or anything, but it is fun to see um, you know, what could happen and what is possible. And I hope there's a human lesson for everybody in that. And also how to, um, pull with each other and how to treat each other and how to be there for each other. And, um, with that being said, um, I hope you guys are taking care of each other as you start this new year. I hope you're taking care of yourselves as you start this new year. Hope you're staying caffeinated. Hope you're staying hydrated and we'll catch you next week. Mm -hmm.